Welcome to the Cardboard Herald Reviews, where we give you audio versions of our game reviews, then go behind the scenes of our creative process. The Tale of Ord, a new type of gaming. Designed by Rita Orlov, artwork by Rita Orlov and Ayodia Udit. Published 2018 by Post Curious. Review by Jack Eddy. Like them, hate them, one-and-done puzzle games are here to stay. I mean, the genre isn't exactly new, but thanks to the rise of exciting experiences both on and off the table, interactive narrative puzzles and mysteries of all sorts have become a revitalized and burgeoning staple of tabletop gaming. The thing is, while fun, these games never really clicked for me. Climbing their way out of novelty and truly cementing themselves as a legitimate format, demanding innovation and teasing endless potential. That is, until I played The Tale of Ord. What is it? The Tale of Ord is the first adventure being published by Post Curious, a subscription service that sends out installments in the adventure by mail. While it's easy to draw comparisons with other tabletop gaming adventures and puzzles like Exit the Game and Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, perhaps with a dash of Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego thrown in for good measure, The Tale of Ord feels altogether like a beast unto itself, exciting and new. This is going to be a bit different of a review, but then again, this is a bit different type of game, puzzle, mystery, tabletop thingy? I've been sent the first two chapters, which I'll speak to here, and I'll write a follow-up after receiving and playing the next two. Also, because so much of what makes this game great is the mystery and subsequent sense of discovery, I'm staring clear of spoilers, aside from the basic premise of the story. My main focus will be about my group's feelings navigating these puzzles, the type of experience we had, and help explain just what made this wonderful package so incredibly special. Ominous Portents The contents within my stylish and foreboding post-curious box were three items, two manila envelopes labeled Part 1 and Part 2, each full of all kinds of other stuff, and a branded post-curious notebook full of blank pages, as if to say, yo dude, you're gonna need this. Without reading a single instruction, I was already in the mood for adventure. The read first attached to each envelope explains what you might need, encourages you to check the contents when you open it, and confirms that the scope of this game extends beyond what's in the box. Sure, most of the tools are there, but as I'll explain a bit later, don't for a single moment think the experience is confined to the table. Once we made sure all the components were there, we dived into chapter one with pens, notebook, laptop, and French press coffee in hand. One by one, we skeptically look over each item, cards, clippings, half-written journals, diagrams, and most importantly, a letter. More than anything, this letter is the portal between our world and that of the story. Mikhail Soderman, the chairman of the Emerins Institute, is hiring your team of private investigators to help find two missing professors and uncover the mystery of their disappearance. There is no time limit, there are no rules, there is no structure. You truly are the investigators and you can use whatever resources are at your disposal to solve the mystery. By merely opening the package and reading the letter, you've effortlessly entered the magic circle. Playing the game. 
So what do you get? Again, it'd be a spoiler to even describe it to you other than to say nothing is meaningless. I was astounded by the skill and effort put into coming up with so many bespoke and wonderful components. And I'm not talking about the structural quality, which is fine. I mean, the immersion and sense of place. These things actually look and feel like weird items taken from someone's apartment. Some items are overtly cryptic, others may appear meaningless or like they exist strictly for narrative purposes, only to become immensely important later as you stumble upon some revelation. In our group of three, we went through each item as a group, then naturally gravitated to individual items that each of us would turn our attention to. This is one of the biggest strengths of the Tale of Ord. Even though there is a grand mystery within each chapter, individual puzzles can be solved in parallel. Countless times over our first session, one of us would loudly exclaim, Guys, guys, check this out! And we'd excitedly detail a theory to the other's consideration. Often this leads nowhere, but with each attempt, new connective tissue was uncovered. What if the cards mean this? What are those weird numbers? Isn't this formatting strange? Our excitement was further compounded when we realized that our freedom to explore beyond the components of the game wasn't just possible, but was encouraged. The puzzle has a few really smart moments that have you utilize a device connected to the internet, and you begin to see that many of the things referenced in the game are from the real world. Not only did looking into the subject matter of the missing archaeologist help contextualize some of the clues on the table, it did a fantastic job of immersing us in this fiction. We use real-world tools rather than arbitrary game rules to complete our adventure. Throughout the three hours it took us to tackle episode one, numbers, ciphers, patterns, metaphors, codes, they all began to reveal themselves, sometimes leading us to new tools that would let us crack another puzzle or give us one piece of the chapter's overall solution. In both episode one and two, there are each at least three moments that felt like it completely blew the case wide open, offering a deluge of new possibilities to explore. And all of that is great if you're successful. Staring into the abyss. The big risk in Post-Curious's formula is that you constantly feel like you're on the precipice of understanding, which is great because it makes success feel so incredibly rewarding. The flip side of that, though, is that the game has you teetering on the edge of failure, tempting you to give up out of frustration. Fortunately, the game does some really smart things in order to make sure you can grab a foothold. First off, the components themselves are disparate but offer several context clues as to how they may interact. Either through language use, their dimensions, or even nature of existence, you will have some natural inkling as to how to begin your experimentation. Next, the Post-Curious website has a fantastic system for providing hints for each of the chapter's puzzles and a way to make sure your solutions are correct. Remember, in each session there are multiple smaller puzzles that have independent solutions, leading to one overall solution. The ability to check your work before tackling the final beast is a must. And those hints? There are a ton for each puzzle, and each will progressively reveal just a little bit more information each time. With each click, you can check your assumptions and reorient your group. In our first game, we completed the puzzle without relying too much on the clues, but the second adventure, they became a must, making sure we weren't too out in the weeds with our wild theories. They really do a beautiful job of nudging you in the right direction without taking agency and the sense of accomplishment out of your hands. Our final countdown. 
Our group had an absolute blast with both chapters. I think it's worthwhile to note that while all three of us enjoy puzzles and may occasionally be accused with being clever, none of us would consider ourselves gifted or even particularly inclined to the sort of mental gymnastics that one would associate with decrypting secret messages and assembling three-dimensional puzzle boxes. But that's what made this experience so wonderful and so rewarding. The game is designed in such a way to encourage experimentation rather than simply rely on base intellect tantalizing you with clues that inspire an adventurous heart. Each time we finally understood how a puzzle was meant to be solved, it was a triumph, a moment of clarity that felt so empowering that we needed to chase the threads to their end. And the end itself was satisfying. The victory after finishing chapter one left us talking at the table for another hour about how awesome of a time we had. It felt remarkable how clever each puzzle was, seemingly opaque, yet giving you just enough intuitive crumbs that you could see yourself through, resulting in one of the most intense cooperative gaming sessions I've ever had. Our second session was admittingly more difficult. Not only did the challenge seem to ramp up, but one of our teammates was about to move. After about two hours of puzzling on the eve of her departure, we hit a wall and decided to finish in a subsequent session, culminating in the awesome final resolution via Skype, and I wouldn't trade how we tackled it for the world. Overall thoughts. Again, this game's greatest strength is that it does such a wonderful job blurring the lines between the game and reality. There is no arbitrary turns, time limits, or action points to confine you. Use time, space, cooperation, and creativity to uncover the secrets held within the objects, little artifacts ranging from the mundane to downright bizarre. That said, I don't think this is for everyone. Choose carefully what group you do this with, as I think the sense of collaboration of working with a team is a huge part of the experience. Too big of a team, and some people may feel like they're just along for the ride. Too small, and you'll lose the advantage of different perspectives. I think the sweet spot is two to four players, maybe one if you are really into puzzles. Speaking of which, if you don't like puzzles, word games, or cooperative experiences, I don't think this will be the game for you. Also, the Tale of Ord requires grit, resilience, a sense of defiance to carry you through those moments where it feels like the answer is just beyond your reach. I promise you, whether by hint or hard work, probably both, you'll get there, but you have to be able to buck up to push yourself through. It's worth it. Finally, there is no avoiding the cost. The Tale of Ord in full costs $160 for four chapters. This is atypically expensive in the realm of tabletop gaming when you consider that you will likely only go through the puzzle once. And while it is technically possible to preserve the components for future use, it's likely you'll have bent, torn, broken, marked, and otherwise change most of the components before you've seen it through. But for us, Three gamers hungry for discovery, looking for a fantastic way to spend a couple nights together? The experience was irreplaceable. The Tale of Ord has so far proven to be a masterclass in puzzle design, allowing us to embark on a challenging and rich adventure that all three of us consider well worth the cost. Furthermore, the game has contextualized a new format of tabletop gaming for me, showcasing the limitless possibilities of what narrative-based collaborative problem-solving can be. And for that reason, I'm on the edge of my seat. I can't wait for the next chapters to see what next post-curious, let alone this entire genre, will bring. 
Review copy of The Tale of Ord Parts 1 and 2 were provided by PostCurious. You can check out The Tale of Ord at getpostcurious.com and learn more about designer Rita Orlov at ritaorlov.com. Links in the show notes. Special thanks to Jennifer Kelly, part of our trio, for helping with photography and gififying our review. Okie dokie. So we are done with Post Curious Chapters 1 and 2. And guess what? Post Curious Chapters 3 and 4 are in a box on my kitchen table right now. And the box is like super fat. It's like double the size of the first box. And I have no idea what's in there. And I can't wait to tear it open. Because as I clearly talk about in this review, this was an experience unlike anything else. I've ever had, and I'm so thankful that I was contacted by Rita at Post Curious for trying this thing out. Like, this is really an amazing thing that was so special for myself, for my wife, and for our roommate, our longtime roommate and nanny, Jen Kelly, who was living with us for a year. And this was the perfect sending away experience for her to cement our time together before she moved to a whole other state and a new chapter of her life. And as I mentioned in the review, we were just heads over tails for it. And Jen is not one of our normal, like, playing games all the time with us buddies. Like, she'll hop into some games, but she's more the computer gaming type, like making some Second Life people, designing all kinds of who's-its and what's-its on the internet way beyond me. In fact, she's done some of the artwork and uh, art design, graphic design. Graphic design is the appropriate word for uh, Cardboard Herald. Very talented. Uh, But... This was something that I knew maybe something up her alley. So I was like, hey, Jen, you should do this with us before you leave. And it was unbelievable how smart this game made us feel and how much it relied on all of our strengths and our collaborative problem solving and being able to see things from different perspectives. Like there are so many puzzles where I knew the answer was there, but I was just banging my head against it and being able to even communicate to the other two awesome women in this group about what what it is that I think is hidden within and how to get there. And then them all of a sudden starting to theorize and put together puzzles and, and finding all kinds of stuff. Like, it, it, it was so awesome. And, and it's hard for me to find additional words that I didn't already jam into this very, what I think is a pretty eloquent review uh, without actually spoiling things too much more. All I can say is is we had a killer time and I cannot underscore how much my wife had a fun time with it, which she is not normally the kind of puzzle person. Like she likes mysteries and things being solved and, and, and fitting together, but she's not someone who's going to play Sudoku. She's not someone who wants to play really crunchy puzzle-ish games. Like, I don't know, um, while she's my favorite gaming companion and my number one opponent and cooperative game player, uh, I don't think that she typically enjoys something like Agricola is a great example. I like Agricola all right. I love Caverna. She hates Agricola 
she will tolerate Caverna. And so the point that I'm making is that her style of gaming is much more about exploration rather than really challenging puzzle solving. But she fell head over frickin' heels for this. I think she liked the Tale of Ords parts one and two more than I did because it has that sense of mystery and drive and being on the precipice of discovery while it's still just so beyond your grasp, yet you actually get there and it makes you feel so smart. The moment you're like, man, would it be cheating to kind of read up on if these runes or, or something actually exists and then you start doing that and that contextualizes the puzzle for you? Man, you start feeling so smart when you start realizing that you are not confined to just typical gaming things. I'm not saying you have to go chase down and hunt all kinds of mysteries through the the annals of history or something. You're not going to need to go to your local library to solve this. The tools are really there and not too far out of your grasp, but you realize that you are so trained to think of games with such limitations that the sense of freedom and empowerment as you you start to break away from those restrictions and see how arbitrary they are in typical gaming and and gaming problem solving it's it's unbelievable i loved it now the other thing that i wanted to mention here the thing that i thought most about in writing this review aside from the experience that we had is that it is an expensive thing. And I talked about this on Reddit a little bit, where I have a hard time telling someone exactly why $160 is not too much to spend, especially when I got a review copy. I come from a position of entitlement where I run this podcast and our our review channel and website. So I get review copies of things. And $160 is a lot of money. Would I tell someone that they need to pick this up instead of, say, Spirit Island, which has almost unlimited replayability? I don't know. I mean, I'd probably say if it was down to one or the other, then probably spend your money on Spirit Island for a third of the cost. But that's not really how the world works. And I'm not going to make any assumptions about what your money situation is. What I can say is if it was worth it to us. And when you consider that we're typically people who don't go to the movies a lot because it's really expensive and it's a big to do. And, you know, we're, when we do, we want it to be special. And when you consider three people getting at least three hours per game session, and in this case, we got three game sessions out of two chapters. You know, the the value is there if you are viewing it like in the sense of movie terms. And as an experience, this was so completely worth it. Like, this is a better time than I had going to Universal Studios when I went to Dice Tower Con last year. And I had a great time. Granted, I hadn't slept in like 24 hours and maybe I was sweating in ways that I shouldn't have and also been in the heat and I needed sleep. And my friends were like, hey, Jack, let's let's hop onto all these roller coasters. And I'm already not really a roller coaster guy, but I... I I had such a fantastic 
time with this experience. And if you can split the cost with your friends and this sounds like something that might be up your alley, or if this is a really good gift for someone in your life, then I think that this is totally worth it. But again, you make your decisions for you. You know, I'm not going to tell you what each individual dollar is, is worth to you. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention, because we do like the, these behind-the-scenes things in, in writing the review, sometimes some of you get curious, post-curious, about the actual creative process here. And this was a really fun review to write, which hasn't necessarily happened in a long time. Um, I, I mean, I have fun making the reviews, probably that's the most fun that I have in all of the Cardboard Herald is doing both written and video reviews. But there was a challenge and a tone to this review that I haven't felt so challenged in since maybe my Eldritch Horror review where I wrote like a, a creepy narrative and tried to imbue it with some some Lovecraftian descriptors or non-descriptors, I, I guess, like not, not actually saying like Cthulhu list, Cthulhu list, which I guess is going to happen no matter what, when you're writing that kind of review, but um, actually injecting some of what I thought was authentic tone into my own language use and, and trying to keep a, a narrative consistency even if that wasn't overt, um, which is a fun thing. I like doing that. And I, I've talked about this a lot of times in the past, but the reason I started the Cardboard Herald is because I wasn't playing music as much anymore. Some of my other creative pursuits I wasn't doing as much, especially because I had a, a new baby. And I wanted something that allowed me to cultivate a hobby that I'd really enjoyed in the past, which was writing, but I never felt like I was particularly gifted at it, and see if I could find a way of really honing that skill. And I, I've i tried narrative in the past, and I think I'm all right at it, but uh, I think criticism and analysis and thoughtful consideration is something that I can do a little bit better and that's what I try to do with my reviews and it's it's easier to do with written reviews than it is with audio reviews or, or I'm sorry with uh, video reviews but I'm getting there with video reviews like using the camera as as a voice if that makes sense uh, is really interesting with video reviews and I, I'm starting to do some interesting things there but I really relish when I can sit down and just write a written review and and try to come up with fun words that that feel like the game itself or feel important to the the tone of what I'm trying to describe while still adequately doing the job of criticizing the game. And I think I did that in here. Uh, there's a couple moments that I think really stood out in particular, like I was so proud of uh, toward the end uh, where I mentioned that uh, I, I promise you whether by hint or hard work, probably both you'll get there. Or also the tale of Ord requires grit, resilience, a sense of defiance to carry you through those moments when it feels like the answer is just beyond your reach. 
that sense of defiance like that that to me feels like you are the the investigators trying to solve this mystery and completing the game is just like the the narrative of the characters themselves that you are essentially acting as role playing as and being able to work that kind of language and that tonal resonance into the review is really fun I don't think I'm always successful, uh, especially as I read this review on our website and I notice like uh, two typos in here, which I need to go back and fix and will be fixed by the time you get around to it. But those are, are really fun things that if you are listening to this and you've ever considered that you want to do some sort of hobby, whether it's picking up the guitar, whether it's writing board game reviews, whether it's doing photography, you know, Instagram photography or something, and you're like, well, I'm not very good at it. Think about what it is you want to be good at and and why you want to be good. What do you want to say with that? And just keep on trying at it and you will get better because I'm reading this. And even though while I was reading it, I was like, eh, I don't know that I'm really doing a good job. Now that I have like two weeks distance from this, I'm actually really proud of the, the the ability to articulate what I needed to for this review. And I think that's a, a testament to hard work, resilience, grit, and a sense of defiance. The very things that I needed in order to pursue all that I have achieved, all that we have achieved through the Cardboard Herald. So... Anyway, that's kind of the behind the scenes, long and short of this. Uh, what I can say is that this was, I think, the first published review of the Tale of Ord, which was really cool. And also, it's kind of a new development uh, with the Cardboard Herald that recently, within the last couple of months, not just Rita, but other people have been reaching out to see if I'd like to do some reviews and are f completely fine when I say... Yeah, as long as you understand that I'm going to be objective in my reviews just because you sent me a review copy doesn't mean that I will automatically like your game. Now that said, for a peek behind the curtain, I I do talk about like tell me about this game and I I understand that creators especially in early publication of, of their works or when they have pre-publication pre-production copies of their stuff they got to be really selective about how to get it out there i i want to get a feel for if it's something that may be worth their time because if it's a, a game that i know i don't even like that type of game i may tell them like hey you might want to send this elsewhere and you know find someone who who may be inclined to like this but um once it hits my hands whether i thought i might like it or not like it I'm still going to be fair on it. And I I just have to say that I really like this game and I really liked all the communication that I had with Rita. Uh, checking out her website, is, she is a skilled craftsman. I saw some swords she made on, uh, on Twitter that were elvish in nature and dang, Seems like the kind of person I'd like to hang out with. So that is our review of Tale of Ord. That is our um, narrative of the end of the Cardboard Herald's TCBH reviews uh, for today. And I hope you enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. 
check out the review. The links are in there because there's a freaking GIF in it or GIF if you're a bad person and pronounce it GIF, but it's totally GIF. So check it out. Thanks for listening. I've been Jack. This has been the Cardboard Herald. You are awesome. Thank you for listening to the Cardboard Herald. As always, everything we do is ad-free and audience-supported. If you'd like to help keep it that way, find the Patreon link at the top of our webpage, CardboardHerald.com. We have several levels of support with various rewards. If you enjoyed the show, we do a whole bunch of other stuff, including reviews, interviews, and recommendations across writing, podcasts, and video. You can find that on our YouTube channel or by visiting any of our social media or our website. So with that out of the way, thank you again for listening to the Cardboard Herald. Thank you.